Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the second book of Kings. We are up to verse 10 in chapter 13 in the second book of Kings. That is Melachim Bet, Parak Yud Gimel, Pasuk Yud. I apologize for the long break. The last um, time I did 13a, the first nine verses of this chapter was prior to the... um, terrible events that occurred on October 7th in Israel, and I just simply uh, wasn't able to get back to uh, a place where my head was able to really get into this, and I apologize for the long break. I know it was published, I think, on the 10th or 11th of October, but it had been dictated prior to the knowledge of those events. So um, while, of course, I I, I very rarely comment on... on, um, on current events on this podcast um, uh, because I think uh, the lessons I've tried to make them as they're, they're really, they're not, I'm making them, they're, they're timeless. These messages speak to every human being in every time in history. These are the words of the prophets, but I just wanted to let you know why I didn't um, do a podcast in a while. But here we are um, <coughs> uh, uh, with prayers for for peace and for for um, an end to um, the suffering that we're seeing, let's continue learning about um, the story that we were, we were studying. We were reading about the king, northern kingdom of Israel, and we had just read of the death of Yeho Ahaz, and we are about to read, and, and we read uh, that his son Yoash, and sometimes called Yehoash, of um, being appointed in his stead as king. So, Bishnat Shloshim Vasheva Shana, in the 37th year of Yoash, Melech Yehuda, of the king Yoash, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. The, the, um, Yoash is the king of Yehuda. I know this is confusing, but it is what it is. Then the king Yehoash, who is uh, Ben Yehoahaz, the son of Yehoahaz, was the king Al Yisrael over Israel Bishomron in Shomron Sheshesreshana for 16 years? So, in the 37th year of the reign of Yoash, that is the king in the south in Judah, Yehoash, the son of Yehoahaz, whom we just read about, became king over Israel. Now, Vayas Horab he was a bad king. He did bad in the sense that he was, he was bad towards God. He didn't turn away from all of the sins that Yeravam ben Nevat, who was the first king of Israel way back, <coughs> when uh, he did not uh, turn away from any of those sins uh, that he had committed. Um, and um, he led uh, 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 the people and continued on that path. And all of the things that Yoash did, and all of his accomplishments, and all of his, uh, his military achievements, in his wars, together with Amatsya, the king of Judah. So his wars, which we are going to read about soon, um, at least a little bit, between him and Amatsya, the king of Yehuda, uh, because he waged war against Judah, Halohem uh, Kisuvim, they are written al Sefer Divir Hayamim in the in the chronicles of the Malchi Yisrael of the kings of Israel. Yoash then passed on 
he died, Yiravam, Yashav Kiso and his son, Yiravam, taking the same name as the forebearer of all of the kings of the northern kingdom, Yiravam. So this is Jeroboam II. Yashav Kiso, he sat on his throne. Vayikaver Yoash Bishomron, and Yoash was buried in Samaria and Shomron, Im Malchai Yisrael, together with the other kings of Israel. So here we have his death. Now, um, it, but even though he's dead, he's not done yet because we're going to go back to reading events from his life. Uh, why it's set up this way is unclear. Um, I'm not, uh, the scholars uh, debate this. Uh, it's a little bit unusual, but it's not completely unheard of for the, um, for the, uh, to, the prophet to give us uh, a summary of the life and then go back and tell us about some of the things that happened in his life. So here we go. The Elisha, now, we haven't heard from Elisha, the prophet, in a while. But just to remind you, we had, in this podcast, I had emphasized the progression in Elisha's career. The progression from being a prophet of miracles, a prophet of trying to prove God, as, as his teacher Eliyahu Elijah did, through, through uh, demonstrations of, of raw power uh, and miracles, to being one who was who who led with a tremendous sense of concern and and care for the welfare of the people went from someone who who tried to prove the might of God through performing wonders to someone who had uh, who was encouraging the people to to improve themselves through and and to get grace with God through their work through their deeds through their through how they lived and how they um, you know, treated each other and so on. And we saw Elisha go through that tremendous arc. Now, Elisha, and it's, I'm mentioning this because it, it'll help us understand the interaction that we're about to read about when Elisha was on his deathbed. He was sick with the illness that he was to die from. So this was his final illness. He was on his deathbed. <laughs> and Yoash, the king that we just read about his death, um, the king of Israel, he came down to him, and he cried to him, and he said, Avi, Avi, my father, my father, Rechav Yisrael, the chariot of Israel, Ufarashov, and his, and the horsemen, you know, of Israel. In other words, the leader, the great, great leader of Israel. Of course, this brings to mind the same term that Elisha used when, when Eliyahu, Elijah, his, the prophet, his teacher, went up to heaven. He also used the same term, avi, avi. This may have been just a common refrain uh, when someone was dying or someone passed on to say, uh, who was a leader, to say this about him. Uh, but either way, Yoash is using that same language, and it's certainly a language which, at least on its surface, would demonstrate Yoash's appreciation for who Elisha was and how important he was and how great he was. Now remember, we just read that Yoash was a bad guy, right? He didn't follow the ways of God. He continued the idolatrous ways of Yeravam, of Jeroboam. So one might think over here that, well, maybe he wasn't so bad. He appreciated the prophet of God to say things like this, right? So Yoash is putting on a show to some extent for Elisha on Elisha's deathbed, or maybe there was some genuineness to this. Maybe, as we saw with his father, Yehoahaz, who was also an evil king, but was still able to pray to God when, when need arose. He was still humble enough to pray to God. So maybe Yoash here, by showing honor to Elisha, to the prophet, 
is it has so 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 to some the, the, this is really a continuation of the theme which has we've been repeating over and over again from the beginning of our podcast and what do I mean I mean that um it's this idea of serving God through uh, a magical way in other words we press a button and God listens we pray and God answers right or is the way we're supposed to serve God by doing and acting and living in the way that he asks us to live in such a way that the response that from God will be success, will be something natural, because that is how things work, right? And I've been emphasizing over and over and over again how much and how often we see in the prophets this message. We saw it in Elisha's life, like I mentioned before, and it's really appropriate to see that narrative, those two competing narratives play out. Because Yoash, I'm going to posit this now, and as we read through it, you'll see how it plays into this whole story that we're about to read. Yoash did honor Elisha in the sense that he understood that Elisha was a, a leader who he needed to rely upon. Elisha had this magical route to God, and Yoash, being that he had to fight wars against Aram, who was oppressing the people of Israel, um, he needed Elisha. But he didn't understand Elisha. He didn't understand the message of the prophet. He thought of the prophet as being a messenger that can get, get, that can get favors and grace from God in the same way that pagans do. The point of the Torah, the point of the entire Bible, and I know that sounds like a gigantic statement to make, but it is the truth. The point is, is that it doesn't work that way. The point is that we achieve grace, so to speak, with God by our actions, by what we do, by how we act, by how we live, by, uh, you know, not by magically pressing buttons and getting God to answer. But Yoash didn't understand that. Remember, he was leading the northern kingdom in idolatry. He understood things in an idolatrous way. He thought you bring a sacrifice, you get grace from the gods. You bring a sacrifice to this God. So he thought of Elisha that way. So yes, he's here saying, Avi, Avi, Rechavi, Solu, Farashav. Right? He's saying uh, this tremendously, he's crying and he's so upset that Elisha's going, but not because Elisha's a great man and he's going to lose his guidance and his wisdom and, and, and he's gonna, Elisha's teachings and so on. No, he doesn't care about that. And what do I mean? Let's see how this plays out. But Elisha at this point, maybe, maybe, maybe he's thinking, okay, well, maybe Yoash has it down. Maybe he understands. Maybe there's a point. Maybe there's something here. Maybe Yoash has a little bit of an inkling of an understanding of how he's supposed to live. So Vayomrlo Elisha. So Elisha says to him, Kach keshes Take a bow and some arrows. So Vayikach elav keshes He took a bow and some arrows. This is really odd. He's sitting presumably in a room somewhere on a deathbed. What does he need a bow and arrows for? But we'll find out. Vayomer lemelech Yisrael. And he said to the king of Israel, Hakev yodcha al hakeshes. Uh, put your hand on the bow, and he put his hand on the bow. And Elisha put his hands on the hand of the king. So Elisha is here showing him that these, this is your hands. It is your hands that is going to bring about the victory that you need. My hands upon your hands upon a bow. The way to win wars is taking your hands and putting them to work and using the bow. Vayomer, and he said, Pesach HaChalon, open the window, Kedma, facing towards the east. Vayiftach, and he opened the window. The east, of course, is the direction of Aram, of the nation of Aram. 
Vayomer Elisha Yirei, he says, shoot, Vayar, and he shot the arrow, Vayomer Chetz Tishuol Adonai Vechetz Tishuol Aram. This is the arrow of deliverance from God, for, uh, from God, and this is the arrow of deliverance from Aram, in other words, deliverance from their hands, from their oppression. Vihikiso es Aram ba'afek ad kaleh, and you will um, strike down Aram in the place called Afek until they are destroyed. What's the point of this symbol? The point of this symbol is to show, right, that it is not through, it's not through magical, it's not through the, you know, I, I, you don't need me to be a conduit to God to pray to you so that you should win. You will win because you're going to fight. Okay? It is the action that's important. Right? By Yomer, and then he said, so Halisha is maybe possibly, obviously I don't know what he was thinking, but he's thinking, okay, well maybe, maybe I'm going to teach him this lesson. I'm going to teach Yoash. Maybe there's a, a chance that he can understand. He can get away from that idol-worshipping idea, that idol-worshipping concept, that one <laughs> gets things from God by talking to to, to the magic guys, by talking to the guys that can play all the tricks. Remember, this is the lesson that Elisha himself learned when we when we studied together Elisha's life. We saw that trajectory. Elisha started his career as a prophet thinking that if only he could be a more powerful miracle worker than Eliyahu, than Elijah, that he would somehow bring the people around. And Elisha eventually came to realize that's not the case. On his deathbed, he's teaching that message to, to, um, to, uh, to, uh, to the king Yoash. And he's telling him, here, shoot the arrow. That's how you win. And then he tells him, take the arrows again. And he took them. And he told the king, strike those arrows against the ground. And he struck it a few times, three times, and then he stopped. <coughs> what was Elisha trying to say? And most of this, what I'm explaining now, is coming from... Um, uh, the the parish, the commentary of of Ibn Kaspi, Yosef Ibn Kaspi, a 12th century commentator, uh, uh, known uh, uh, a philosopher commentator on the on the on the prophets. <laughs> Elisha is trying to teach him that yes, you have to sh- you shoot, but you have to you have resilience. You can't just stop. You have to keep going and going and going and going. The way to win is to never give up. But he stopped. He just did it one, two, three, and then he stopped. So the man of God then got angry at Yoash and he saw, this is not the leader that's going to win. If you kept on going five or six, in other words, why did he, not five, not six, but five or six, in other words, if you kept on going more and more, Pamim, then you would have gotten that lesson that I told you before that you were going to strike down Aram until they were destroyed. Biata. But now you only struck it three times. You'll have three victories and that's it. Because you didn't have the resilience. You didn't show resilience. Elisha is trying on his deathbed is trying to teach him the lesson that you have to keep on going. You have to keep on working. You can't give up. You can't keep looking to magic. You can't look to, 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 to tricks. You can't look to even prayer. Action is what is necessary. And when it comes to defeating the enemies, you have to keep on going. You cannot stop. Bayamas Elisha and Elisha passed away, unfortunately, with this disappointment. This is verse 20. Disappointment that the king of Israel that he left behind him still didn't get the message. Bayik Baruhu and they buried him. 
Ugedude Moab, and at this time, uh, bands of Moabite uh, raiders were Yavo'uvaretz Bashan. Every year, presumably at harvest time, they would come and steal things and, and make, uh, uh, you know, and, and kill people and, and make trouble for the people of Israel. So in other words, Elisha died and the leadership did not have control over the countryside. Marauding bands would run through the land. And they were burying a man. Probably a man that was killed by, we don't know this, it's not said in the verse, but presumably from the context, a man that had been killed by these marauders. And then they saw the gedud, the band coming. Or the raiding party, however you want to translate it. And they ran, they were so frightened. This is really trying to show us just how sad and sorry the state of security was at this time. So they took the man and they threw him into the grave of Elisha because that's where they happened to be. And he went. Vayelach is usually used for the term when a person goes on his feet. But over here, it presumably means Vayelach, meaning, and he, the body, just rolled. And the man touched, his body touched the bones of the body, of the remains of Elisha, the prophet, and he came back to life, and he gets up on his feet. Most understand this as a miracle. A dead man was revived by touching the body of Elisha. The main issue with that understanding, which is of course the traditional understanding, and, and I, you know, I, I put it out there, is what's the point? What's the point of this miracle? Like, what, 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 what where does this do? Like, what does this miracle accomplish? Who does it help? What does it? I guess it helps this guy. He's back alive again. But, but it seems pointless. But I, I, but I don't think that this means that a miracle at all. I think that this is telling us a story of people that were so rushed and so crazy. When they saw somebody lying on the street, they were just harried. They didn't even bother to check to see if he was alive yet anymore. And they picked him up and they threw him into the, into the cave without even having a chance to check because they were so... It, it, the point of the story is to show how sorry the state of security was. This raiding party killed someone or they think he kills someone, they kill someone, and the people are running, and they, the, the party goes away, and they, they grab the guy and chuck him into the cave, and Vayelech means, and he went. The guy wasn't dead, right? They just threw him into the cave thinking he was dead, but he wasn't. And the guy crawled, and he himself touched the bones of Elisha, right? And symbolically, what would that mean? Elisha is teaching, just taught the lesson of resilience, the lesson of strength. Vayechi, that gave that person life, it gave him strength by Yakum al Raglov, and he got up and he walked out of the cave. So then, this, that when you take away the magical aspect and you make this not a miracle, but you make this a real thing, then the lesson, the moral lesson, is powerful, powerful beyond words. And we've seen this repeatedly over and over again. When we take the, a rationalistic explanation over a miraculous explanation, then the meaning and the power of the verse becomes profound. The lesson of Elisha, the lesson of resilience, a man who is wounded and injured, who gets that strength and gets up, gets on his feet and walks out. That, the, and the, the contrast between him and the people that threw him in the grave, passing him off as dead in the first place, and running and panicked and, 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 and almost pathetic uh, from, the, from, the, um, from the raiding party is, is profound taking that lesson of Elisha, the lesson of resilience, and carrying it to, a, to another level. 
And then just to finish off this chapter, Vachazoel, Melech Aram, Lochatz et Yisrael kol yimei Yehoahaz. Remember Yehoahaz, the father of the current king Yoash, the Chazael that was the king of Aram. He had been uh, he had been oppressing the people of Israel all of the days of Yehoahaz. And like we learned, Yehoahaz had prayed, right? Prayed to God, and God sent a redeemer. Many understand that that redeemer was his son Yoash, who we just learned will win victories against Aram and relieve the pressure against the people. Or it may have been someone else during the days of Yehoahaz, but from this verse, it would seem kol yimei Yehoahaz, all the days of Yehoahaz, that they were oppressed by Aram. So the, 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 the redeemer would have been Yoash, the one who we know is king now, the one who we just read about the interaction between him and Elisha. Vayachan Adonai Osam, and God had mercy on the people, virachameim, um, and, and he, had, he had compassion on them, vayif and he turned to them, why? Why did God have compassion on them despite the fact that Yoash was an idol worshiper? Despite the fact that Yoash uh, continued in the sins and bad ways of Yeravam because Laman Briso, because of his covenant that he had made at Avraham Yitzchak V'Yaakov with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. V'lo God did not want to destroy them. V'lo panov adata. And he had still not sent them away from his face. In other words, he had not cast them away. God had still maintained this promise, this covenant, this relationship. Unfortunately, we're going to learn later that this covenant only lasts so long, right? At some point, when the, when the situation was deemed hopeless, the northern kingdom of Israel was cast aside, and that covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was fulfilled only with the southern kingdom of Judah. We're approaching, we're rapidly approaching that terrible, tragic moment in history, but we're not there yet. At this point, God still had not cast them away. And Chazol, um, the king of Aram, died. And Ben-Hadad, his son, became king. And Ben-Hadad continued, of course, in his father's policy of harassing and oppressing the people of Israel. And... Um, uh, he, uh, Yehoash, the son of Yehoahaz, went, um, uh, uh, returned, right? In other words, he, he was successful in battle and returned. And he conquered back the cities, Miyad ben Hadad ben Chazael, from, from the uh, ownership of ben Hadad, the son of Chazael, the current king of Aram. Those towns that he had conquered, that that, that his father Chazoel had conquered from Yehoahaz, his father at war. Shalosh Pa'amim, in three major battles, he ko'o Yoash. Yoash struck him down by Yoshev at Dorei Yisrael, and he returned the cities of Israel to the people of Israel, to the sovereignty of the Israelite kings of the northern kingdom. So we end on a, on a victorious note of Yoash, but as we know, that victory was short-lived. However, um, at this point, Yoash did win some major victories as a result of the prayer that Yehoahaz, his father, uh, prayed before God. And that small amount of humility did lead to a small amount of victory. Thank you so much for studying Ch- Kings chapter 13, 2 Kings chapter 13 with me. Looking forward to studying chapter 14 and, of course, the entire book of Kings together. Have a wonderful day.